Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Neil Bedwell on the line. Neil, how are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? I am amazingly awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation, especially with the work that you're doing and and the the name of the organization that you're working with and and all that. So why don't you share a little bit about you with the audience and we'll dive into the conversation. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Well, yeah, I'm Neil Bedwell. I'm one of the co-founders of Local. Local is a change marketing company. So I'll say that again, change marketing. Uh, We're a group of marketers that have built brands and launched products and uh, worked in agencies and worked in big corporations. Uh, Here in the US, you can hear from my accent. I'm I'm based in in Atlanta right now, but I'm definitely not from here. So back in Europe too. Um, And we now apply the same kind of marketing strategy, creativity uh, to internal audiences, employees. And that's important work. And I know we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show about what's going on right now in the world. I mean, we're kind of, I don't want to say post-COVID, most people kind of are behaving as if it is, which is fine. Uh, We've turned a corner for sure. Uh, But what we've discovered in the workplace is there's just a lot of people that are quitting. We've seen in the US, you know, over 4 million people every month have been quitting over the last you know, year and a half or a couple yeah. of years. And then there's quiet quitting now with inflation and recession and all the things that are going on in the world. It's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how all of that shifts around, but it doesn't take away from the fact that there are a lot of unhappy employees in organizations and for organizations to really thrive and grow and be able to navigate through whatever the next couple of years looks like. They need their employees to be well. And if their employees aren't, then that's going to create all kinds of chaos for deliverables, the products, quality, you name it. Uh, 100%. I'm, and and I'm, I'm going to try and respond here without falling into some cliche traps. Um, uh, but there's, yeah, there's an awful lot of conversation going on around, uh, around this. Um, a, a wise soul said to me this week, uh, talent is now everything to every business everything. Um, we have a founding philosophy here that uh, actually comes from the word company. Uh, so when we think of companies, we think of businesses, we think of um, the things that those businesses create, the things that the, the revenue that those businesses generate, the shareholder value that those businesses uh, create. But the word company actually, uh, I guess, it's derived from Latin and through French, it means the communion around bread. It means a group of people coming together, making something and sharing it. And I kind of think we lost that. Um, if talent is everything to every business, because companies are actually people. Companies don't just employ people, they are people. And so if you think of a company as, as that, and then think about, at least in my career, and, and, the, and the generation that I've, uh, working generation that I'm from, how little care and attention has been applied to those things, those, those humans that make up every company up until this point. What's actually happening now was inevitable. 
it just needed uh, a big shove out the door, which we had with uh, the, the pandemic for the last couple of years. So, yes, now you have every business trying to figure out retention. Um, the the great resignation is the cliche number one. Um, I actually see it more of a, as a great reawakening. It's a uh, hold on. There is I do actually have the power here. This company does actually need me, and if they don't treat me the way that I want to be treated, I'll find somewhere that does. The, the main um, driver of the movement that you're talking about is not paying conditions, it's um, value, being valued and respected. Yeah. And so we've spent all this time not being valued and respected, but sucking it up. And now we're like, we don't have to suck it up anymore. Um, uh, you know, if you ask if human beings truly why they work, we have to have a paycheck because the, otherwise, you know, there's no roof and the rain gets in. Um, but if we actually really look at why we work humans we work for meaning for impact we work to try and make a difference and it doesn't matter what kind of job you have at the end of the day don't you want to go home and and, and in the knowledge that you actually did something worthwhile that the that you helped somebody that you moved something forward that you made something slightly better that's that's what work is um and i think we, we we've lost sight of that um that too so and then you made a, a wonderful point i, I want to grab hold of here which is um you know people are unhappy and that that ends up sort of impacting the business and the things that it creates well something like and this is pre-covid numbers i'm sure that these numbers haven't improved two-thirds of um working adults are unhappy with the thing they spend half their waking life doing with with their job and if you think about the what that unhappiness does to the products that you're trying to make, um, the service you're trying to deliver, to the um, onboarding and, and um, you know, recruiting of new people into that business, that misery is hugely expensive to, in, in its impact, all those things. And the second cliche, the quiet quitting thing, you know, is just people bringing the bare minimum because they they are valued they feel they feel that they are valued at the bare minimum but we go back to the point before i think that everybody wants to to actually make an impact and they would bring more of more of their abilities passions um you know potential and apply it if they thought that the company valued that and so that's that's the the play here and i think to round out this little story it used to be the companies had the power and now what we have is the employees have the power. Um, as a marketer, I've known that the customer has, has the power and has had the power my whole career. We, everything we do is deferent to them. We, we design everything around trying to find a tiny little moment in their lives for our uh, Coca-Cola or our, you know, our, our auto brand or our sneaker brand or whatever. Um, employees are now internal c customers. We have to win them over and find meaning in their lives in order to keep them now. And that is, that's the shift that um, local is built on and that we are talking to all of our clients and talking to uh, corporate America about right now. Um, and it's a mindset shift in leadership from telling to listening from, and, you know, from um, information to inspiration from um, mandates to um, yeah, winning, winning people over with, through your actions um, in order that they want to actually do the things that are going to grow the business and that they can benefit from that. 
it's important to highlight everything you said and you know the work that I do in burnout prevention. I've seen burnout long before this pandemic hit, and it's been accelerated to the point where I. Th- and it's not like, oh, all of a sudden, two years in, people are burned out. No, they were burned out before. It's just now there's discussion about it because, again, it's a, a reawakening, like you mentioned, where employees go, wait a minute, I am equaling the playing field. And that's how it should have always been, but was lost at some point where the the employer um, controlled the purse strings, you know, or strings and, you know, the money and all of that. And the employees like, I have to take this job because it pays me the money that I have to cover my rent and, you know, all the things that we have. And again, you know, most of our consecutive waking hours are work. And if you hate it, that takes a toll on you. That stresses you out. It causes all kinds of mental and physical ailments, we're seeing more and more, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but we're seeing a lot of people under age 40 are having cardiac events. That's not good. You're not supposed to have a heart attack younger than 40. You shouldn't have a heart attack at all, but that is really concerning to me. I used to work in healthcare, and that's extremely concerning to me because assuming they survive, they are looking at if the average lifespan is 75 or 80 or whatever it is, they're looking at pretty much double of their existing age to be on heart medication and all of that, which has, of course, long-term impact on their ability to live. Plus, you know, working with my cardiologist, because I was one of those people that had a heart attack at a very early age over a decade ago. And that's why I'm in the work that I do today, because burnout was the reason why I did it. But in talking with my cardiologist, you know, he, he commends me. He goes, you know what? One out of 10, do what you do. The other nine, don't. They survived it and they go, you know what? I'm just going to continue down the same path. It's like, yeah. okay, that, that's, that's the definition <laughs> yeah. of insanity, if I remember correctly. Um, <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's not going to change anything where I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want to go through that again. That's no. not fun. But now that the playing field is starting to get leveled, You've got organizations that are just caught off guard because their behavior, beliefs, systems, all of that were not factored in to actually, you know, let's focus on the well-being of our employees. Mm-hmm. That's why you're seeing a lot of initiatives at least start. Now, again, it's, you know, I'm thankful for organizations like yours that are helping these companies because they painfully do not know what to do. They just don't because they've never had to do it. So bringing in experts like your team helps those organizations. All right, let's let's change the focus and let's look at what the impact is of your vice president sending an email Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. regarding yeah. a project. Don't do it. All the software yeah. tools, all the email tools have a schedule sent. Okay. Or save it in drafts. Don't do it. And it was one of the things that you know, I borrowed from a boss that I had at a IT company I worked at many, many years ago. It was my first day, and I've shared this story a lot on the show, but he came to me. It was about 3.30, I think it was 3.32 in the afternoon. I remember the time because I was in my cubicle, and he came in, and he leaned on my cubicle. And he says, okay, we're going to establish the ground rules. I'm like, oh boy, here it comes. You know, and this is where I regret coming to work here. And he looked at me and says, I don't care when you get here. I don't care when you leave. Uh, if you need to get a hold of me, this is back when we had pagers, um, mm-hmm. send me a page. Um, 
I'll make sure you have everything you need to do to do your job. If you don't, you let me know. We'll get it. And we hope you have fun there. And I was there for almost four years during the dot-com era where IT professionals were getting poached from organizations constantly. I I stayed at that organization for several years. Why? Because they valued me. They trusted me. Mm -hmm. They they gave me bonuses. They statute of limitations. They let me work. (laughs) They let me work remotely in a different state for a period of a few months, um, which was unheard of back then. Back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my boss let me do that. And I will never, ever forget that. And I mimic the same things when I was leading organizations. I said, okay, what do you need? Give people what they need. Make sure they have an environment where they feel that they're making contribution, both from an input standpoint, but letting them work in their sweet spot. What do you love working on? Let's do it. And when they do that, all of a sudden, you have retention. You stop losing employees. And... Quality. It's not rocket science. It's, no, it, it's, look, it's look after people, and they'll look after you. It's yeah. it's as simple. It, it's you know, from if you're cooking a meal, it's like got three or four ingredients to it. That's it. I mean, and how long you need to do it for? It, it's so simplistic, but it's so hard for people because they're looking at it going. It can't be that easy. Well. It's easy to look at it. It's harder to implement because you have to deprogram a lot of your leadership style and thinking and how you led from a management standpoint, assuming you were trained on how to be a manager. That's a whole other Pandora's box. That's, yeah, that's, that's another podcast right there. I mean, the, the chain, yeah. deprogramming, deprogramming, yeah, deprogramming is change and change is really hard because it means unlearning something that you have, that, that you have learned and has made you successful. It's a, it's a, um, it's, it's walking away with money, with your money on the table and then going to another table and starting again. It's that hurts people because they also feel obsolete. Um, but it's, it's interesting. The, um, the, the shift you mentioned one in 10, uh, people, uh, actually make, if they have an incident like you had and you had a, 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 your own awakening and you've now changed the way that you do things. I'm going to say that one in 10 companies are, are doing that right now. In the sense that they used to do something a certain way, they've experienced what's happened over the last couple of years, and they're making significant significant changes. We're lucky that we work with some of those, um, but I'm still seeing you know nine out of ten still try and do the same, maybe slightly softer, but do the same things that they did before, and then they're worried that that um, and, and they're like, well, it doesn't work anymore. The results aren't the same. People aren't sticking around. I can't recruit. I am. Um, this was captured beautifully in a secondhand anecdote that I was, so it wasn't told to me. It was told to somebody that I know um, talking about investing in your employees and what you're talking about, by the way, with those, uh, you know, good examples of, of, of compassionate leaders who value their, their people um, is they are investing in you, not, you know, whether it's in flexibility or time or, you know, their time given to you or the tools or equipment or, or other things that they're, that they're alone, they're investing that um you know we we need to invest more in our employees goes the question comes the response we already do we pay them um and that is the mindset shift that needs to happen across every every company a paycheck is is not investment a paycheck is um table stakes a paycheck equals uh, your attendance a, a paycheck says that this person will show up here versus there 
but show up. Everything beyond that, you, you still have to earn. You have to invest it. You have to um, provide them with the things that they need to actually really deliver on their potential. Otherwise, they just show up. And, and think about any, you know, in a, running a soccer team, you don't want people just to show up, right? Stand in their positions. You need them to play and you need them to play with their, um, and, and put their specific skills to use. And we don't allow that. We, um, we actually, and that's the, the problem that a lot of these traditional businesses are having where, oh, I want to see you in the office. I want to see you back in the office because we're used to measuring attendance versus performance versus um, enjoyment and get in a, the engagement is a big word that's misunderstood, but you know, that the people actually want to be there and they, and they want to do the work and they want to do it well because they feel valued and, and they'll get that response from that. So um, I think that that mindset shift from actually investing in, in employees around those things is going to be, that's the change. And that's when, and you, you already went there. We start to unlock what truly makes humans wonderful and valuable is their individuality, the things that they can each bring. Um, in traditional companies, we still call people resources, right? So resources are things that will get organized and managed like bottles in a rack. What we actually need is these is the, um, the individual unique capabilities of every human and figure out how to put that to work. The person who is better in the morning and the person that's better in the evening, a very simple example based on your, your case, let them do that because it means we're going to get the best out of them. Um, you know, we've done an experiment before when you know, on a speaking gig that I did, got a hundred people in the room and we put up a bunch of skills and then a bunch of, um, sort of job descriptions, job, job roles. So first and foremost, we, we asked, um, people, okay, what, um, what's, which skill do you have? What's your sort of superpower? People sort of selected one from a big, broad, nice broad bucket. So people could lean in storytelling or, um, you know, organization or, you know, agility, things like that. Um, and, then our, and then we asked them to also then self-identify the closest role that was for them. And then we mapped which, you know, mar marketers should be good storytellers, right? So those two should go together. Less than 50% of storytellers were in marketing. Um, and then we did the same thing. And all of these things were to entirely mismatched because, um, you know, it's not, and it wasn't because people are in the wrong jobs. It, it was that they, they weren't allowed to do the things that they were really good at in their jobs because you need a storyteller in finance. You need an operational person in marketing. And if you can understand how all those, those superpowers that individuals have by investing in them and allowing them to do those things to come to the surface, you get the best of everybody. And all of that driving towards a common goal that, that everybody believes in. Um, which is not what we have right now. So it's, it's going to be such an interesting journey from here through this reawakening to the unlocking of, of human potential at work happily. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to watch. And I, I saw a headline a few minutes ago before we jumped on. I forgot what organization was. I think it was somewhere out in California where they said they've implemented mandatory two days a week back in the office. You get a memo and you see mandatory. You're, uh, I don't work for that. I don't work for that organization. I can't even yeah. remember what they are. I see mandatory. First thing I know is, and I know what blood pressure medication does. I'm like, okay, it's like, hmm? you know, it's like, yeah. I'll, 
or you know we saw in the news you know, i don't know if it was nationwide but you know of course originally being from detroit you know you hear things you know general motors on a friday afternoon sent a memo out they say mistakenly <laughs> anyway um to you know their senior um white collar force employees mm-hmm. saying you know back to the office a couple of days a week starting you know before the end of the year there was no discussion there was no engagement that it was just mm-hmm. like out of the blue and everybody got that we have message. decided <laughs> yeah we've decided we're doing this and yeah. and on a friday afternoon that's like the send out the nasty gram and then run out to the car and leave you know it's like okay the pigeons do that you know it's like mm-hmm. okay that's not cool so there was a huge uproar on that of course the I weekend bet. the weekends for the managers and senior leaders that weren't necessarily involved in this decision i'm sure their weekends went well because all of their employees were yelling at them going what the and in all of that going on so they backtracked to say you know that was premature to send this you know the pr people did their spin on it as best they could it's like now that cat is out of the bag now so good yeah. luck but again it's we've seen the stats productivity has you know pretty much stayed the same or increased um, during the pandemic for people that have worked in a hybrid or remote environment you, you mentioned a point a, a moment ago that made a lot of sense is a lot of people figured out that they're really good and productive when they work outside of the nine to five thing. It's like create that environment to allow them to do their best. If they're creating their best work and they're in a flow and they're, you know, they're doing things, they love it. All of a sudden you're getting better productivity and more efficient, less time. It, it just makes things so much better for people and, and they actually feel invigorated and they feel like you know putting in the effort, not just coming in, punch in, robotic, punch out, go home. You know, yeah. that, that's that's soul sucking. You know, if, and I see that too often. It's like it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, but unfortunately way. but unfortunately it is. So love this conversation, Neil. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you're doing? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, you can find out um, most of what you need at localindustries.com, localindustries.com. It's, um, we are, there's a couple of things I'd love to share, um, not just building kind of people first employee communication and experience programs for, you know, Fortune 200 companies, but we're also just about to roll out our change marketing university. So that is uh, everything we know how to do for very big companies, um, but you can take a course in a day and apply it to your own world. You could be a practitioner in one of those companies. Uh, not you don't. It, this is designed for non-marketers to bring marketing into their world, um, or you could be an entrepreneur building a business and want to actually learn how to use communications properly. So we have that. Um, I wanted to share. Um, uh, a, a, you mentioned burnout, so I have a, a little tip that might be useful just as we as we close the session. Um, the it was it ninety percent of of um, executives sort of uh, are either experiencing burnout or you know it, it's 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 a pandemic of burnout right now right across the working environment. Um, I read that uh, Dr. Um, Adam Grant, who's a, a sort of workplace and culture uh, thought leader, was talking about meetings. Number of meetings has tripled over the last two years, and we're doing it all on these screens. Um, so I, somebody gave me this tip, which I'd love to share. When you're looking closely at a screen, you're looking at something close up and our animal brains um, see that as a threat. We are either being attacked or attacking something. 
Um, and so it puts you into a, uh, a stress state. Uh, and if we do it all day with no breaks, another tip, don't set meetings on the hour, add five minutes, you know, give five, give five minutes grace between the meetings. But um, as we do that on the hour all the way through, we've basically been attacked or have attacked something the whole day. Um, so if you get the chance in those five minutes, go outside and look at, look at the horizon and let your eyes wander across the treetops back and forth. And that actually is a proven de-stressor for your brain. Um, it is as if we're sitting atop a tree thousands of years ago, scanning the savannah, and we're not under threat. And it actually calms your brain. And I, two minutes of that between meetings um, saves me sometimes during these busy days. So uh, uh, try that if you're, if you're feeling the burnout. But um, yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody who's, uh, who's interested in, in, in the work that we're doing. You can find us on uh, localindustries.com. That's amazing. And thank you for that burnout tip. I'm fortunate that where I live, I can see, because uh, I, I split my time between San Diego and Toronto, and I'm in Toronto at the moment. So I can mm. see from my balcony window, uh, Lake Ontario, and then there's mm. a well-established neighborhood. Uh, and of course, this time of season, the leaves are changing. So you see a vibrant display of colors and just you know, sitting out there just looking at it, just taking it yeah. all in, um, naturally lowers blood pressure. Uh, I know the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies probably don't want to hear that, but um, <laughs> but they it does. Um, I'm not yeah. telling you not take your medication. Work with your healthcare provider. Please don't stop taking your medication. Please, yeah. you know we we don't want anybody having a cardiac event just because Mike said uh, stop taking it. Go look at trees. Yeah. <laughs> Add it in addition it. to, and then over yeah. time, if it if it naturally part like, of your healthcare need, routine. Exactly. Get out. Get outside. Get in nature. Uh, nature is a beautiful. Yeah. Thing. So Neil, thank you so Wonderful much. I'll definitely, I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes and really appreciate you. And uh, again, congratulations, all this amazing work you're doing. Thank you, Michael. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.